I brought tonight as we take up the subject of the King James Version of the Bible, a facsimile, which is a faithful reproduction of the first run of the 1611 Bible off the presses 400 years ago. This is called an elephant folio in size. It's a pulpit Bible. It's in Gothic type, so it's hard to read. Many of you have the $20 version with Roman type, which is much easier to read, which is identical, and I brought one of those as well for you to compare to see that it is identical to the original he version of the Bible. He, meaning that in Ruth chapter 3 and verse 15, he went into the city, not she went into the city. A he version of the original is $400,000 on the market today. Facsimiles are somewhat less. And I, if you appreciate the Bible that the Lord's given us for 400 years, I brought those for you to look at. We are blessed abundantly Amen. to have His Scriptures in our tongue so readily available, so wonderfully, providentially governed and granting of it and then preserved. We want to ask the question tonight, why do we believe the King James Version is God's Word out of all the versions that are available in the English language? Why do we believe that? We have a different approach than most. Most will start talking about manuscript evidence, manuscript finds, recent discoveries, higher criticism, textual criticism, experts, percentages, statistical analysis, and other ways that they try to identify which is closest to what they call the originals. We cut through all that and blow it out the window as totally unnecessary. And I hope that I can present that to you in the minutes that we have. If I can have the middle tier of lights off, we will run through these slides, and I have a lot of them. And I hope that tonight will be profitable for you, preparing you to answer the question, well, why do you think the King James Version is God's Word? We have a unique answer that's different from almost all other men when it comes to this subject. We do not appeal to the Textus Receptus, the Received Text, the majority text, we do, not re- we do not refer to any Greek edition of the New Testament. We do not refer to the Masoretic edition of the Hebrew Old Testament. We have a different approach. And I hope that you will appreciate it. Some of you know it, but it will be a good reminder for you. Why do we believe the King James Version is God's Word? Now, there's a whole lot of versions. They come out with at least one a year. And when you go to a Christian bookstore and look in the Bible section, you can see this Tower of Babel that they've created with all these different versions that differ from each other. But where is God's Word in that stack of books that's called the Bible? The number one selling Bible in America today, as most current information, is the NIV. It's in that list twice. It's number one and it's number nine, because they're always updating and changing the NIV and these other versions. But where is God's Word in that list of the ten top sellers of Bible versions? Why do we believe, out of that Tower of Babel, that we would pull out the King James Bible, or we could say, it's not even in that tower, because it's entirely different from the rest? Why do we believe it's God's Word? Do we believe it's God's Word because the Apostle Paul used the King James Version as some 
country preachers might say. No. Do we believe that the King James Version is God's Word because Peter Ruckman said so, who's been a strong advocate for the King James Version out of Florida for the last 30 or so years? No, that's not why. Because Otis Fuller, who's now deceased out of Grand Rapids, Michigan, and who wrote which Bible? Because he said so? No. Because Ian Paisley endorses it? No. Because 47 great men were chosen and put to work by King James for seven years from 1604 to 1611? No. Because William Tyndale prayed for it while burning at the stake for having translated and printed the Bible in English? No. That's not why we believe the King James Version is God's Word. Because it was translated by the order of a king? No. Because the king ordering it had written commentaries on the Bible as a young man? All these things are true, but they're not why. No. Because the translators rightly named the Antichrist in their preface to the King James Bible? No. Because it is not copyrighted to make money like every other Bible version is? No. Well, why do we believe the King James Version? A little exercise will help you. Why do we believe God created everything? Because Grandpa believed it? No. Henry Morris said so? Answers in Genesis said so. The Creation Museum helped us come to this knowledge. No. Carbon-14 dating, does that convince us that we believe God created everything? That some scientists agree? There are some scientists that believe in creation. Is that why we believe in creation? Because Expelled was a good movie? Because you know you didn't come from a monkey? Because oral tradition in many nations describes a creator God? Why do we believe in creation? Because... We have some words that we believe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That is why we believe in creation. God said something, and we believe it. And that settles it as far as we're concerned about creation. Why do we believe God created everything? Because the Bible tells us, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of His mouth. In Psalm 33 and verse 6, why do we believe God created everything? Because we read in Hebrews 11.3, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Why do we believe Noah's worldwide flood? Because Grandpa believed it? Henry Morris said so. Answers in Genesis believes it. Some men think they have found the ark in Turkey. It's the reason for the Grand Canyon. Geological reasons, archaeological reasons, mammoths in Siberia, or oral traditions in many nations. For any one of these or for all of these reasons, is this why we believe that there was a worldwide flood in the days of Noah about 4,500 years ago? No. Why do we believe in Noah's worldwide flood? 
Because we have words like this. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven. And everything that is in the earth shall die. Let's keep asking, why do we believe Noah's worldwide flood? Because the Bible tells us so. Jesus said, for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus admitted the flood taking place in Noah's day, and we believe it from the Bible's testimony. Second Peter 3 says, For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. This is why we believe there was a flood. We do not need Henry Morris, nor do we really care what Henry Morris says about the flood. We don't care that you can take a trip down the Grand Canyon and see evidence of a flood. We understand a worldwide flood that covered the mountains because the Bible tells us so. Why do we believe the King James Version is God's Word? Do we believe it because the Dead Sea Scrolls that were discovered 50 years ago confirm it? Do we believe it because the text of Stephen's in 1550 is close to our New Testament? Why the King James? Because Grandpa believed it? DJU memorizes verses from it? Though endorses two other versions for their preachers to use? Because my church has always used it? Because it has the best manuscript evidence? Because the Textus Receptus rocks? Because these and thous are reverent? An older version has to be better than the modern versions because you like the sound of Psalm 23 in it. Because Charles Spurgeon preached it. Are these reasons why you believe the King James Bible is God's Word out of all the options that you have? Why the King James Version? Thank you, Lord, for what you're about to remind us of in holding to our King James Bibles. Faith, fruit, facts, and fools. Right there. Remember the four F's. Faith, fruit, facts, fools. Why the King James Version? Scholars usually scoff at faith. They want to be able to prove everything scientifically, historically, linguistically, textually, with manuscripts. They want to be able to prove things to their sight, even though the Bible tells us to walk by faith, not by sight, and that God does things outside of our sight. As we read through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. God took nothing and made something from it. And that's how He operates and He expects us to walk by faith. Scholars typically scoff at faith. But faith is the key to being reasonable. If you do not start with faith that there is a Creator God that wrote the Bible... Where will you start with your reasoning? You'll start with confusion. You'll start with chaos. 
You'll start with a big bang. You'll start from zero. You'll start from a vacuum. And you will make no progress beyond that because you're starting without a foundation for all reasoning. The Bible tells us this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and the first two verses that faith is necessary to be reasonable and men without faith are unreasonable. The first rule that we have for picking the King James Bible is faith. The second one is fruit. They never even think of fruit. They never even talk about fruit. It's never even crossed their minds that there might be something like fruit to help us identify the Word of God even though the Bible tells us that fruit is God's approval or not on something. Can you believe that? Fruit. Fruit is so important to know a true message from a false message. Because a true message and a true use of God's Word, His Word does not return to Him void. It accomplishes what He sent it out to accomplish. And some of those versions have no fruit whatsoever as measured by the Bible, while one of those versions has an incredible amount of fruit over a very long period of time. You probably can't guess which version that is. They prefer theories to facts. They want to write about conflation of texts and all sorts of other theories that they make up about the different or the origins of the different kinds of texts that make up all the manuscript evidence that's available today. Facts slow down their production because they just want to keep spitting Bibles out. But facts are truth and must be dealt with because God's Word is factually consistent and full of integrity. They think believers are fools. But the Bible says fools are drunk on education, which is most of them. It is a generally accepted fact that the more education you have, the less you think of a King James Bible or the people that read it. That is just a generally accepted opinion. The more education you have, the more you despise that Bible that's 400 years old, because if you were to accept that Bible that's 400 years old, you're going to have to rule against all the Bibles that have come out since and all the seminary professors that have promoted them and all the translators that have put them together and all the Bible publishers that have kicked them out with a copyright on them to make money. Why the King James Version? Faith. Fruit. Facts. And fools. One more example. We've had two. Creation, the flood, the canon of 66 books. The word canon, when it has one N in the middle, is describing the number of books in the Bible. There are 66 in your King James Bible. Catholic Bibles have 73. The the, uh, Sinaiticus and Vaticanus have more than that because they've added the epistle of Barnabas and the shepherd by Hermas in the New Testament, in addition to the 27 books, they have about 75. Baptist Bibles have 66. Which is right. How can we know for sure? The canon of the Bible. If the Catholic Bibles, and they maintain that they gave us the Bible, you should go to any Catholic website, they will tell you that they gave you the Bible, they brought the Bible to you, they got the the books straightened out in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and they believe that because they had a couple of church councils in 397 A.D. and 400 A.D. where they came and listed their 73 books of the Bible. 
But our Bible was put together while the apostles were still alive. Because the Apostle Peter in 2 Peter chapter 3 refers to the epistles written by our beloved brother Paul. Now isn't that something? And he calls them scripture. Why a canon of 66 books? How do we, how do we know that the 66 books is right and not the 73? Because if the 73 are right, we're missing seven books. If the 75 are right, we're missing nine books. How do we know for sure? Faith, fruit, facts, and fools. Same way. Why a canon of 66 books? Roman Catholicism trusts scholars. They trust church councils. We need to trust faith, fruit, facts, and fools. Only the above will support the 66 books in the Bible. You can't prove when, how, or why we have 66 books and not 73, 75, or 102. The Apostle Paul mentions his epistle to the Laodiceans when he told the Colossians to make sure they read it and that they gave the Laodiceans their epistle. Now, why don't we have the epistle to the Laodiceans in our 27 books of the New Testament? Who discarded it, when, and why? We don't know. Seminary will get you to 73. I don't care what seminary you go to, because any of the new Bible versions maintain that Vaticanus and Sinaiticus are the two oldest manuscripts And both of them have over 73 books in each of them, not segregated, but as part of both testaments. Why a canon of 66 books? Faith, fruit, facts, fools. Faith, fruit, facts, fools, works. We believe the 66 books by the tracing it through history and seeing God's blessing upon it. It was the Bible of the martyrs, while the 73-book Bible was the Bible of those who made martyrs. The 73-book Bible was the Roman Catholics putting Baptists to death for having a 66-book Bible. All Protestants have to come to us. You know, Protestants didn't exist until the Reformation, so they've got to come to Baptists to get their 66-book Bible. Because they come out of Rome, and Rome has a 73-book Bible. Why do they all use 66-book Bibles? Are you listening to me? Why does a Presbyterian use a 66-book Bible? Because they came to us Baptists for their Bible. We kept it for them for 1,500 years while they were in the Church of Rome. They have to fall back on our method for the canon of 66 books. Every scholar must resort to faith, fruit, facts, and fools to prove as to why they choose a Bible with 66 books and not a Bible with 73 books. They use our method for the canon of Scripture. But they will never consider that method, or they'll reject it. For which version should we believe? Do you follow me? They use our method for proving that the 66 books is the right number, but they won't use our method for determining which of the Bible versions today is God's Word. What is faith? We need to look at those four helpers that God's given us. Faith, fruit, facts, and fools. What is faith? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. We do not know what has gone on with God's providence in maintaining Bibles, but we can believe it. 
And when we believe what God has said, it gives us evidence for something we can't see or prove. It gives us proof. Faith gives us proof. Because God tells us something and we believe it. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that person needs to believe he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now God's given some promises about his words. This is Psalm 12, verses 6 and 7. This is where we start. We don't go looking in some dusty old book put together by some man who wanted to spend his life collating all the pieces of manuscript and papyrus and stuff that's available from Bible manuscripts. We don't want to go look at that book of collated manuscripts. We want to look in God's Word itself and see if there's internal evidence, internal helpers that will tell us King James Version is God's Word in English. And here's one of those statements. The words of the Lord, not the word of the Lord, but the words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. God's words are pretty pure, aren't they? Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Now that's a promise that God made. We start out with believing God's promises. This is the faith part. This is the faith helper. We don't read what Thomas Nelson sends us in the mail. Thomas Nelson sends us little four-page flyers telling us about their new Bible versions that they're coming out with because they want to sell us something so that they can make money and satisfy their board of directors and shareholders with profits. We start with the Bible. And the Bible says that God has words and He's preserved them and kept them, and He will keep them and preserve them forever. In Isaiah, the Bible says, Now go, write it before them in a table, and note it in a book, that it may be for the time to come forever and ever. Here God is making statements that He will keep His words, that things are to be noted and written down in in written form, so that they can be kept forever in the Bible. All we have to do is read our 31,101 verses. Of course, it's a different number. In other versions, you understand that. Don't Do you understand that? There's 50 whole verses missing in the NIV, New Testament, from the 31,101. And of course, the Catholic 73 book Bible is going to have a whole lot more verses. But note it. Write it before them in a table and note it in a book that it may be for the time to come forever and ever. The Bible tells us the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. God gave us these promises. Now, brethren, the amount of information that God has shown us over the years on these four helpers is extensive. I'm just giving you a little taste of it tonight. Just a little hint of the Bible basis that we have for our four helpers, faith, fruit, facts, and fools. The God Himself said the word of the Lord endureth forever. It's not going to run away, disappear, get lost. Let's go to fruit. We've covered faith and what we're going to believe. Let's look at fruit. The Bible tells us, Ye shall know them by their fruits. The ability to detect a false prophet from a true prophet is measuring 
the effect of his ministry? Is it based in truth? And does it result in truth? Does it result in righteousness? Or does it result in wickedness? You do not pick fruit, good fruit, from an evil tree or a corrupt tree. If you have an evil tree or a corrupt tree, you're going to get corrupt fruit. Jesus taught that in Matthew 7, 15 through 20. Do men gather grapes of thorns? Do you go to a thorn bush in order to get grapes? No. You go to a grapevine to get grapes. Do you look for figs on a thistle plant? No. You go to a fig tree. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. The Bible tells us that fruit is the way of identifying truth from error, true ministers from false ministers, true prophets from false prophets, and the Bible is a book of prophecy. Truth, in preached form or written form, is going to bear certain kind of fruit. A false Bible, preached or written, is not going to bear that same kind of fruit. In Colossians 1.6, when the Apostle Paul is describing to the Colossians his preaching and the gospel that he preached, he said, which is coming to you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. The true word of God and the preaching of it, the true gospel of God, written or preached, is going to bear fruit. It did with the Colossians, and it has ever since. Paul would tell the Thessalonians, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. God's word effectually works. One of the character traits of God's word is found here in Jeremiah 23. The prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. You know, there's books that are nothing but dreams. The message written by Eugene Peterson, which is on that list of the ten top sellers and used by Rick Warren at Saddleback Community Church in California, is really a dream. Because it's just Eugene Peterson's novel about the Bible. It's not God's words. It's Eugene Peterson's words about God's words. And they they tell you that when they call it a paraphrase. And the message is a paraphrase. The prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord? It isn't even going to be close. It's going to be very different. Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? There is no one preaching from a, from the message today, or the living Bible, or the new living translation, that's breaking anything in pieces. They're not like a fire, because the Bibles they're using aren't like a fire or a hammer. It's the King James Bible that's a fire and a hammer, and it's been a fire and a hammer for 400 years. They mock it as being the Bible of hell, fire, and brimstone preachers. Because hell, fire, and brimstone isn't preached from the new versions. Second right. Timothy 3, 1-5, through 5, we're talking about fruit. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. 
Think about this prophecy. This prophecy we have seen thus far fulfilled more perfectly in our generation than any other time. Accompanying this fulfillment in our lifetimes, what we can view in Christian circles today, is an explosion of a new kind of Bible. A watered-down, missing verse, paraphrased, dynamic equivalent translation, like the NIV, Bible, that accompanies Christians having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, and loving pleasure more than loving God. They've gone hand in hand together. What we've seen happen in the last 50 years, in the compromise of Christians across our country, has been accompanied by all these new Bible versions. The next chapter in 2 Timothy 4, describing the perilous time, says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. And they shall be turned... And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. The time's going to come, Paul told Timothy, we believe we're in that time where they're not going to want sound doctrine. They don't want to go back to a King James Bible that is blunt, concise, powerful, direct, hard. They want a watered-down message by Eugene Peterson or the Living Bible by Kenneth Taylor, both paraphrases, or some other version that has diluted the power and authority of God's Word. We have the prophecy, and along with the fulfillment of this, churches churches today do not want the preaching of God's Word. They want entertainment. They want fables. They want a praise band. And that, that shift in what takes place in most churches today has been accompanied by the explosion and the proliferation of all these new Bible versions that are milk toast. In comparison, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, has there been a benefit to having God's Word? Moses told Israel, keep therefore and do them. Them is the precepts that he had taught them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations. A Bible can make a nation different. Is America different today than what it was 50 years ago? Yes, because Bibles have made it different. We have a bunch of milk toast Bibles that don't give the glory to God, and they're not even used to give the glory to God like they once was. Did a Bible once make the nation of England and America, Canada, and Australia great? It sure did. Just like the Bible made Israel great. These other nations are going to hear all these statutes and say, Surely, this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Was that ever said about the United States of America? Did other nations want to do anything they could in their power to make it to the United States of America? Because it was a wise and understanding people. Does the rest of the world think that way today? Fruit. We're looking at all different kinds of fruit. It makes better Christians, stronger Christians. The the false versions have accompanied the perilous times of the last days. It used to make America great, just like it made Israel great. In Proverbs chapter 8, it tells us, I wisdom, and the Bible is a book of wisdom because it contains the words of Lady Wisdom. 
and the words of the living God. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. When the King James Bible was the Bible, preached and read by the vast majority, almost universality of English-speaking people, wisdom dwelt in those nations. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding, I have strength. Do those phrases describe England and America 50, 100, 150 years ago? Counsel, sound wisdom, understanding, and strength. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. We were a rich nation, an honorable nation. They were durable, and we were a righteous nation. For the most part, when the King James Bible was preached, read, believed, defended on these shores. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. We were blessed for having God's Word. As the use of the King James Bible has gone down, and other Bibles have replaced it of a different sort, from a different source, our nation has gone down. What we're doing is looking at various ways of seeing fruit. Fruit, Paul said, works effectually in everyone that believes it, so it makes strong Christians. God-fearing, sin-hating, doctrine-loving Christians. There aren't very many of those anymore because there isn't much preaching of God's Word. We look at the perilous times of the last days and we realize these symptoms of a change in Christianity have come right along with a proliferation of Bible versions. We looked at Deuteronomy that said when you use God's Word, other nations are going to know you're exceptional. We've looked at Proverbs chapter 8 that describes the fruit of having the words of wisdom. So we've had God's promises and we believe them by faith. We have God's own words describing the effect or the fruit of His word and we just look for it on a timeline of the world. What nation at what time realized the most of those benefits described in the Bible? And it was English-speaking nations when the King James Bible was read and preached. We believe it. It's just like we believe what the Bible says about creation. If the Bible says God created the heaven and the earth in six days, and He tells us how, we believe that. When He tells us these different measures of how His Word influences people and changes things, we believe it. So it's faith and fruit. Fruit proves God's Word. God's Word is successful without an advertising campaign, which is necessary for every other version. Do you understand that the King James Version has never had an advertising campaign? Will you will you think about that for a moment? The King James Version has never had an advertising campaign. Because if one publisher of the King James was to have an advertising campaign for the King James, other publishers would benefit... Because it's a public domain Bible. Their advertising campaigns are for all their private market Bibles. And they have to keep pushing them. And as soon as they stop pushing them, they stop selling. But guess what? The King James Bible is still number two, wasn't it? With no advertising campaign. And how long has it been in the top two? Only 375 years. 
I don't want to leave that one yet. My word will not return to me void. The Lord said about His word. He doesn't need an advertising campaign. It just keeps on selling. Because people pick up the King James Version and read it. They pick up an NIV and read it. And those that are sincere, and there are some that are still waiting for this experience, realize there's a difference between these Bibles. We meet some of these people. We, they, they write us. They appreciate our stand on the King James Bible. God's Word is not a copyrighted money-making plan of publishers with no convictions. When I say that, I'm talking about Thomas Nelson Publishers. Thomas Nelson Publishers will publish anything. They publish Catholic Bibles right along with our Baptist 66-book King James Version. They don't care what they publish. They have no convictions about the Word of God. They'll publish a paraphrase as fast as they'll publish what they consider to be a very literal, tight, word-for-word translation Bible. But God's Word isn't copyrighted. Why in every one of those versions is it copyrighted? Because it's a money-making effort. If they want to get the Word of God into people's hands Don't you think those translators could come together and those publishers and they could dump those Bibles in the market for three dollars a piece and, and give the, give the tape or give the, the, uh, the text to any publisher in the world that wants to produce it. Put it on the internet free. Fruit. Its timing will match reformation and progress, not degradation and decline. When the King James Version burst on the world, Were things looking up for the English-speaking people in the world? You bet they were. They were coming out of darkness. What about the Bibles that are proliferating today? Are they coming out while the world is reaching upward and higher and better and beyond? Or while we're going down, imploding, and degrading ourselves? Look at the fruit. Two helpers so far. Faith, fruit. We do not go to manuscript evidence. We don't really care. No one can ever settle the issue of which Bible should I read by manuscript evidence alone. Just like you cannot prove to the satisfaction of a person without faith that God created everything by scientific evidence alone. A man needs faith. You can't prove Noah's flood. You can go ahead and pull some pictures out of Reader's Digest of that shadow in the ice on Mount Ararat in Turkey and try to tell someone it's Noah's Ark. But you can't convince them of it. The only person you can convince about a worldwide flood is someone with faith in God's Word. And then that faith in God's Word believes the evidence of fruit that He gives. Let's move to facts. Facts prove God's Word. Jesus said this in John 10.35, If He called them gods, speaking of the Old Testament, unto whom the Word of God came, and the Scripture cannot be broken... Jesus said there is something factual about Scripture. Scripture is God's Word. When we say, why do we believe the King James Version is God's Word? What we're really saying is, we believe the King James Version is Scripture. That's all we mean. We mean that whatever the Bible says about Scripture, we can believe that about the King James Bible. Jesus said Scripture cannot be broken. Lady Wisdom said this about the words of wisdom, which of course would include the Bible. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth 
are in righteousness. There is nothing forward or perverse in them. My words are not going to catch me coming and going because my words are going to be consistently true and righteous and they're not going to have anything forward or perverse in them. That was Lady Wisdom and Solomon and God the Holy Spirit in Proverbs chapter 8. In 1 John 2.21, John wrote, I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. The truth cannot have a lie in it. But now when we look at the NIV, we read this in 2 Samuel 21.19, and I know that some of you know this well. 2 Samuel 21.19 in the NIV. In another battle with the Philistines at Gob, Elhanan, son of Jerorajim, the Bethlehemite, killed Goliath the Gittite, who had a spear with a shaft like a weaver's rod. We're talking about the third helper, facts. The Word of God, Scripture, will be internally consistent. Does anyone here tonight know who killed Goliath the Gittite? A Gittite is someone from the city of Gath. That's what the word means. Who killed Goliath in your Bible? See, the King James Version knows who killed Goliath. David did. But all the other versions, God just looked upon those translators and smiled at us, frowned at them, and caused them to do this. That Elhanan, one of David's 37 chosen men, killed Goliath. The NIV, in 1 Chronicles 20 and verse 5, the corresponding account writes, In another battle with the Philistines, Elhanan son of Jair killed Lamai, the brother of Goliath the Gittite, who had a spear with a shaft like a weaver's rod. Now help me out. Did David kill Goliath, or did Elhanan kill Goliath? Who killed Lamai? Did Elhanan kill Lamai, or did Elhanan kill Goliath? Facts. The King James Version says, in both places, Elhanan killed the brother of Goliath, because in both places, the Holy Spirit is accounting for Goliath's four brothers. I love the Word of God. All you need to know is, who killed Goliath in your Bible? Mark 1-2, how about a New Testament example? The NIV were picking their most popular. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. But the quotation is from Malachi 3-1. And yet the NIV says it is written in Isaiah the prophet in Mark 1-2 and then quotes Malachi 3-1. And if you've got an expensive NIV that's got a footnote, the footnote will tell you that Mark 1-2 is from Malachi 3-1. So in their footnote, they'll tell you where the text is wrong. But see, Jesus said Scripture cannot be broken. If their own footnotes tell you that their text is broken, is it Scripture? No, I'm at, If Jesus said Scripture cannot be broken, but their footnotes tell you that their text is broken, is their text Scripture? No, it is not. This is why we pick the King James Version. Now, I could multiply these little jewels for a long time. Because it's been one of my hobbies for the last 30 years. 
Because when I was ordained to preach the Word, I wanted a Word that I could preach. And I hope you know that I preach the words of the King James Bible. Because I love those words. And I despise these imposters and frauds that call themselves Bibles. And have things like Elhanan killing Goliath and this quotation from Malachi being credited to Isaiah the prophet. Facts prove God's word. Here's the NIV at Acts chapter 8. Let's start at verse 36. They came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Verse 38. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. But we've got two problems with that verse. Philip didn't answer the eunuch's question. Another problem we have with that verse is it's missing number 37. Where did 37 go? I haven't changed this. This is exactly how it appears in the NIV. Where is verse 37? You frauds, your scripture is broken. It can't even count right. Jesus said scripture cannot be broken. So we start with faith. We look at fruit, and we go to facts. Facts are painful when you're trying to sell something, and it's got problems. Facts. The intent of the King James Bible was to provide a final and absolute authority. Why did King James call for the Bible in 1604? Because he was tired of breaches, Coverdale, bishops, Geneva, and other translations floating around in England, he wanted one Bible. That's why it came together. There is no one trying to do that today. They just want a new model to sell you, just like Detroit has wanted a new car model to sell you for the last 50 years. The intent will be to provide a final and absolute authority not to boost sagging sales or write a novel called a paraphrase. Facts. Since Jesus and Paul argued from individual words... On at least nine occasions, God's word will exalt and protect each word. It will despise the concept or publishing of paraphrases like the living Bible or the message. Because that's changing words. Do you follow that argument? Facts. Jesus and Paul argued at least nine times points of doctrine from individual words. Well, a paraphrase is never the words of God. It's the words of a man about the words of God. The NIV is called a dynamic equivalent translation, meaning it's really like a paraphrase, but we don't dare call it that because we don't want to stick it in the same category as the living Bible and the message. So they made up the term dynamic equivalent, meaning we're using our own words, but it's a dynamic Replacement for God's words. It's it's the dynamic equivalent of God's words. They're telling you our words, trying to make it a little different, easier for you to understand. But as soon as you change God's words, you break the internal integrity of the Bible. Since Jesus and Paul argued from individual words, they're not going to like. The Holy Spirit does not appreciate dynamic equivalent translations. Fools, we're the fourth helper. God confuses fools. Jesus said while he was preaching and saw that those who were seminary trained did not believe his message and those who didn't make it through high school did believe his message, that the theologians and the scribes and the religious leaders rejected him 
and the prostitutes and the tax collectors believed him, he stopped in Matthew 11, lifted up his eyes to heaven and prayed this. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. This fourth helper in picking the right Bible off the shelf of this multitude of translations in English is who appreciates, reads, loves, and benefits from the King James Bible, who hates the King James Bible, mocks it, and makes fun of it and scorns it, who endorses all the other translations? And how do they speak of them? And on what basis do they recommend them? It's the wise and prudent. And that is sarcastic language for being wise and prudent in their own eyes are the ones that promote the other versions and make fun of the King James Bible. But it's the babes. It's little simple Christians who love their King James Bible because they grew up on it and they love it and they don't care what scholars have to say about it because it's God's Word. The things you are learning right now from the Bible to identify His Word is God's blessing, which He has given to babes that have no time or use for higher criticism, textual criticism, or manuscript evidence. Faith, fruit, facts, fools. God said about fools, isn't it a fool that would put Elhan and kill Goliath? Isn't it a fool that would say Malachi is Isaiah? God wrote in 1 Corinthians 1, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. These aren't truly prudent. These aren't truly wise. These are those who think they are wise and prudent in the eyes of the world. These are those who are degreed by the world to be prudent and wise. They are the ones that signed off and continue to sign off on a multiplicity of translations that give Isaiah the credit for Malachi in Mark 1-2. That is the simplest little change that could be made, but they are slaves to their false manuscripts. I don't care how many they have, and they don't have very many. Over 95% of all manuscripts back up every word of the King James Bible. The Lord gave the word, great was the company of them that published it. They rely on two manuscripts, principally Sinaiticus, found on Mount Sinai in a wastebasket in a convent of the Catholic Church, and two Vaticanus in the Pope's library. Those are the two manuscripts they rely on the most. They have 75 books at least. They even have more than the Catholics have. But it's the wisdom of the wise. They want, they want to go look at those pieces of trash from the fourth century. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, God tells us, and He did in 2 Samuel 21.19 and Mark 1.2. And I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where are these guys of higher criticism that want to criticize my Bible? That want to say Daniel didn't write Daniel? That want to say Paul didn't write Hebrews? Where are these guys? Where is the scribe? Do you understand that scribe today is a textual critic? A scribe today is a translator? A scribe today is one of those men that work for Thomas Nelson Publishers? 
A scribe was a man who copied Scripture. A scribe was a man who understood the letter of Scripture, who kept up the pages of their Bibles. Where is the scribe? Because God's turned them into fools. Where is the disputer of this world? That's a textual critic. Where are those that want to argue and fuss about the books of the Bible, the words of the Bible, the meaning of the words? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? We just grab our Bibles, our King James Bibles, open them up, read the words, believe they're from God, and lay hold of them by faith. God confuses fools. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. And brethren, here's a tip off to us. Let us be fools, let us be babes in the eyes of God. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. He does not need their scientific method. He does not need their seminaries. He does not need their manuscript evidence. He does not need their theories. He does not need Westcott and Hort. He needs Tyndale burning and crying out for God to open the eyes of the King of England. And he needs King James I of England and the sixth of Scotland to order it to be done. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. They want to play with His word? He makes them look like fools. And I gave you two examples of many. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. This is what our Lord says about the educated of this world. We believe it. So we look for a Bible that is endorsed by simple saints with great faith. And we reject Bibles promoted by scholars on the basis of scholarship. Rather than faith, God confuses fools. Who will have God's Word? Where are we going to find it? Are we going to find it in universities? Or are we going to find it in the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth? Where are we going to find it? Where are we going to find God's Word? In the Roman Catholic Vatican? In a monastery on Mount Sinai? Or with them that were slain for the Word of God? Our Baptist forefathers. Who's going to have God's word? The dragon? And those that worship the dragon? Or those that keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ? Those are the ones that have God's word. So we trace our simple Bible in its European translations and in its Greek text right into our King James Bible. Not the high and mighty of the current modern translations, but the simplicity of the King James that's been here for 400 years. The King James translators had the godly wisdom to identify and condemn the popes of Rome. They weren't relying on anything other than Vatican. They didn't care about the pope's library. They knew who the pope was. They said so in their preface. He's the man of sin and the Antichrist. It is a generally accepted fact, I've already mentioned this, that the more education a person has, the more they hate the KJV. What do we say to that? Well, you say their education is what the, what the Bible calls worldly prudence and worldly wisdom, and God's condemned it. Why do we believe the King James Version is God's Word? Why? Faith, fruit, facts, fools. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word to you tonight. You're welcome to look at what we have up here afterwards in the way of this He Edition. First edition, King James Bible from 1611. We are on the cusp of the 400th anniversary of our King James Bibles. We should be so thankful. 
You should love this book. What a library of 66 books in it. Just that 66 by itself is a declaration to so many other versions. We reject you as being false. Because God's word only has 66, not 73, not 75. Whenever you open these pages, believe every word there. Love those words. Teach those words. Defend those words. And and by all means, obey those words. Do you know what words we're going to have on Sunday? There is, therefore, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That expression, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, is in verse 1. It's in verse 5 in our King James Bibles but not in other translations. It's only got one of them. It's diluting the character of God's people. I must end. Thank you for your kind attention. Stand with me, please. I hope you love the Word of God. And may the Lord bless us to teach it and believe it and obey it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy great and glorious name. Father, because it seemed good in thy sight, You have set your affection and providential kindness upon us babes that we would see and hear and believe the things that you have given us in our simple King James Bibles. Father, we thank thee, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hid these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to us. We thank thee, Lord of heaven and earth. We are not worthy of the least of your mercies or favors and of all the truth that you have shown us. And we thank Thee for showing us these four helpers that help us identify the King James Bible as Your Word, as Scripture in the English language. Father, be with these people as they go to their homes. Comfort them by Your Spirit and Your Word. May we with reverence open its pages, read its words, and lay hold of the revelation of truth that You have given us. And may it work effectually in us as we believe it. We commit this night, our fellowship, and this presentation of your word to thee in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, asking for your sanctifying blessing through the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.